we've really done a good job in the American Fire Service focusing on what kind of nozzles we use. Now, um, there's a lot of work focusing on what hoses feed that nozzle. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. This is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast. Now, here's your host, Scott Orr. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again. So you've probably heard the phrase, fight fire with fire. Yeah, that's what the wildland guys do. For those of you who aren't firefighters, they really do. But that's another show. Structural firefighting usually means water. That takes a solid understanding of the different size attack lines available, capacities of each size line, and the novels that properly go with each size line. My guest today is teaching a class on all that at Firehouse World next week. It's called Weapon Selection for Today's Fires. Kurt Isaacson has been on the job for 27 years. He's a battalion chief for Escambia County, Florida Fire Rescue. He teaches nationally, and he owns the website countyfiretactics.com. And Kurt joins us now. Thanks for being on Code 3 today. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. So we're talking about hose lines and nozzles today. What's the one basic deciding factor when you choose a line at the fire? Well, obviously, the, the size and location of the fire is critical. Um, and the, the three things you look at, you know, we're talking about the size and location of a fire is, you know, what's the hose and nozzle package you use? And we like to talk about the, th- the big three. Number one being what's the desired amount? How much water does that fire need? And then on top of that, that amount of water, how are you going to get there, which is the reach of your stream or the desired reach or location? Uh, and then number three is the combat mobility. So we talk about the size of the fire needs so much water, and then the location we need that reach. So that third one's going to be that nozzle reaction or combat mobility, or as my buddy Ray McCormick refers to, you have nozzle reach and stream reach. So you either got to reach it with the reach of the stream, or you got to have a line that flows enough water but can still be versatile enough to get it into that building to that most interior room that's on fire. Do you find that some crews are pulling an inch and three-quarter when they really should be using a two-and-a-half? Oh, guaranteed. There's no doubt that, you know, big fires, big water, commercial fires, more times than not, you need a, a bigger line flow and more water. Uh, but we also, too, you know, over the last 15 or 20 years with the push of flowing more water, I'm actually seeing us going from one extreme to another. I'm seeing where, you know, years ago we were using inch and a half, inch and three quarter, flowing 60 or 70 gallons a minute to, you know, the push for 150 as a baseline. And now departments are starting to want to run like one inch tips off their inch and three quarter and flow 200 plus GPM, which I don't advocate. Um, And I'm actually been talking about building a class that's titled when not to pull a two and a half. So, um, there's definitely, you know, fires that departments are pulling up where they should be pulling a bigger line. But we also now are going from one extreme to the other where departments are pulling up and they're pulling a two and a half where the two and a half overkill is not a bad thing unless you need that nozzle to reach the interior. Now you got too big of a line um, with too much nozzle reaction and it's more water than you need. 
which brings more nozzle reaction you need. So it's kind of like finding that happy medium. You know, we don't want to be off to the left too far, off to the right too far. We want to be somewhere in the middle of the road. Now, if you're going to start an exterior attack, you'd probably want to use a two and a half. But what if you want to transition to an interior and you've got the wrong size line? You know, it's becoming more and more common to do what Chicago has been doing for a long time, which is called quick water. You pull up and you don't necessarily have to pull an entire pre-connected hose bed at two and a half, but maybe just put a 50 foot section or drop your standpipe fold hook it into a discharge, you know, blitz that fire, what I like to refer to as gallons per second, where you maybe blitz that fire with a two and a half flowing, you know, five gallons a second, five to six gallons a second for 30 seconds. And so now you've put 150 GPM or 150 gallons of water in 30 seconds. And while that, it only takes one firefighter to stretch and operate a two and a half in a stationary position. So if you get that one firefighter putting 50, 100, whatever length of line on the ground, they can blitz that fire for 30, 45 seconds. That's still going to leave enough water, even if it's a booster tank attack, for another firefighter and maybe an officer assisting to stretch that inch and three quarter, get it ready. You've knocked that two-car garage fire down or you blitz that front of the house, and now you need to get that inch and three quarter inside the house to stop interior fire spread and conduct a search of survivable space. I've got a little side question here. Whatever happened to the inch and a half? Seems like nobody uses it anymore. Well, um, actually, Detroit Fire Department still uses it. Um, D.C. still uses it. There are still a few fire departments that use the inch and a half. Um, when you know, I grew up as a kid, as a volunteer, um, and as a, as a young junior firefighter, and then the first couple of years as a firefighter, I used inch and a half, and it transitioned into inch and three quarter, which was a good thing. We just along the way we just kind of lost the understanding that it's not just the hose it's not just the nozzle it's the overall hose and nozzle package the weapon selecting package which is is not something i came up with i mean you know andy fredericks talked about it chief mcgrail talked about it um chief clark from the you know methods and strategy and tactics book talked about it it's just trying to bring a focus on it again get that on the uh, target that hey you know uh, we've, we've really done a good job in the American Fire Service focusing on what kind of nozzles we use. Now, um, there's a lot of work focusing on what hose is feeding that nozzle. So, you know, inch and a half is not bad hose if your department has the right nozzle on it and you're pumping it to get the, that 150 that is pretty common as the acceptable flow uh, as a whole. Um, you know, the inch and three quarter or hose creep, as some like to call it, is um, – <laughs> really become more of a 188 hose not a 175 hose and that's where the hose manufacturers now are starting to make what they call true id hose or inch and three true inch and three quarter um and whether it's an inch and three quarter an inch and a half or a 188 hose line it really comes down to what's the nozzle on the end of it what's as your department doing a true flow test with a flow meter a pitot gauge and getting an overall hose and nozzle package that's conducive for your department your staffing, and, and I don't always agree with staffing because the fire doesn't care what your staffing is, but we do have to take that into some consideration. And more so than staffing is how much time and true commitment is your organization going to put into training and investing in the hose and nozzle package that you selected. And, you know, you should always also start is what's your jurisdiction protecting? Are you going to trailer parks and shotgun frames? Are you going to two-and-a-half-story frames? Are you going, you know, to McMansions or mansions? Um, obviously, if you're in a, in a downtown urban city setting, 
you know, what are the, you know, setbacks or not setbacks? What are, you know, is it a high rise? So there really is so many things and too many departments, you know, they just, they're going to just do what somebody else did and they really need to take their own evaluation from jurisdiction, staffing, you know, their most frequent fires and then move into that overall package for a successful fire attack. I've heard that some departments are opting for a 95-gallon per minute flow rate because the line is easier for one person to handle. What's your reaction to that? Um, I just think it's a bad idea. Can can a large number of private dwelling room and contents fires be extinguished with 95 gallons a minute? Guaranteed. I can't argue with that. I mean, we all that have been in this job a while have gone to fires where 60 or 70 gallons a minute did it. The problem is with the fire growth rate today, fires don't necessarily burn hotter, they just burn faster, is when you get there, you're not going to be there in that first three minutes and 40 seconds, which is what scientists proven fire growth can be with the, the right contents and oxygen um, supply. So, we, you know, 95, can 95 work a lot of the times? Yes. But there's no room for error. There's no, there's no room for you miscalculated. You pulled up, you saw this reflex time was two minutes and now you got this and you're filling up with you know a bb gun or a 22 and you really need a high-powered rifle you know and you need a magazine that carries more than one or two bullets uh so you know that that's there's there's just no room there and there's not a lot of constants in the fire service or guarantees or you know never say never never say always but i feel pretty confident to say across the board coast to coast to include the interior fire attack study done by Underwriters Laboratory that 150 gallons a minute is the national accepted practice. And and I'm not a big person to worry about, you know, CYA or legalities. I'm worried about doing the job right. But I would say in a court of law, 150 is the number that would come up if you got supposed experts um, from coast to coast. And, and my mentors, they don't view themselves as experts. But if you were to pick my mentors, they would tell you 150 is the number. So you know, 95 is, is over 50 GPM less than what the minimum standard accepted flow is. It's um, 50 plus gallons less than what UL did for their interior tax study. So I would say, you know, anybody that's okay with flowing 95 gallons a minute might want to do some research, some, uh, you know, evaluation of maybe moving to that 150 gallons a minute, which is basically like a water can coming out your nozzle every second. We all know how effective a two and a half gallon water can is with its hose and nozzle attached to it. And I always like to point out the, the two and a half gallon water can, everybody brags about its effectiveness. Well, that's a smooth bore nozzle on the end of that, that tube that's hooked to it. And if 2.5 gallons from a water can is so effective, what is a 2.5 gallons per second continuous going to do? And that's where you got a powerful, you know, fire attack. So, you know, in an urban city that's carrying a 500 gallon booster tank and they stretch an inch and three quarter with a nozzle flowing 150, they literally have 200 two-and-a-half-gallon water extinguishers at their disposal continuous through the flow of a nozzle. What would you say is the maximum flow rate and nozzle and line combination that one man can safely handle? Um, and I, I think that's opinion. I think it's a personal opinion. I think 150 to 165 is what I found in my region is the most effective for one person to truly be able to operate with the nozzle completely open with an effective reaching stream flowing 2.5 gallons per second. It's 150 to 165. Now, um, there's no doubt 185 gallons a minute, the FDNY, I think, view is one of the best fire departments in the country. 
they flow 185 and they do a great job have been for a long time um you know i i i've you know grew up looking at what they do uh but the thing is their staffing is five and six on an engine they got a true nozzle firefighter with a true backup firefighter that's not the officer whereas 90 plus percent of the fire service you have your question is one person that's what what's going to be on the attack line for 90 plus percent of the fire service because the officers on the radio they're on a thermal imager um so i just think it depends on your staffing and the fires you're going to but i'm very passionate about the 150 gpm being um good enough and not necessarily needing any more than that you need more than 150 it's probably a fire that's obvious when you look at it and that's going to be the fire where you're going to pull a two and a half that's hopefully flowing 265 or greater and now you actually have a separation when you pull up it's pretty simple okay this is a, a inch three quarter 150 gpm line is going to get it or no it's not this is a commercial i need a 250 to 300 gpm attack line and uh make it simple or this is a major you know fire and we need to start out with a master stern we just got to keep it simple um for the fire service so it's not real complex on arrival at two o'clock in the morning all right kurt isaacson thanks for talking with us today yes sir thank you for having me on the show and there is more info and a link to kurt's website on our website code3podcast.com slash weapons check it out And it's time again for your trivia question. Where was the first full-time paid professional fire department in the U.S.? I'll have that answer in a moment. If you enjoy listening to Code 3, let us know. Or maybe you have a guest suggestion. We'd love to hear it. In fact, if you have some criticism, we'll take that too. Just as Chief Bruno would have said, be nice. You can email us at code3podcast at gmail.com. Or call 928-985-0530 and leave a message. We're listening, so give us your feedback. Here's your trivia answer. On April 1st, 1853, Cincinnati, Ohio became the first city to have a professional fire department made up of 100% full-time employees. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more. I'm Scott Orr, and until then, I'll see you later. Code 3 is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To get in contact with us, visit Code3Podcast.com. And if you haven't subscribed yet, you should. Don't miss an episode. Find us at the Apple iTunes Store, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts.